Pastor Xavier Reese, recognizing God's sufficiency through the inadequacy of man. Life is not an ideal. Life has so many difficult disappointments. And the only confidence I have to have is that God's on the throne and that He will be sufficient for my life. You want to know the purpose of the book of Job? It's simply that. Whatever God allows you to go through, He will be sufficient. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The trials David confronted prepared him for future advancement. The simple truth is that the Lord deals with those whom He prepares unto glory. And in the case of David, the threat of Saul was literally a life-and-death situation. But in today's continuation of our study series in the book of 1 Samuel, Pastor Xavier illustrates how God remains in control, no matter how dark the situation looms. 1 Samuel chapter 20, we're going to do the entire chapter, and the message is entitled, A Heartbroken Departure. The last meeting of David with Jonathan discovered the true intent of Saul towards David. It's given to us in three movements. The flight of David from Saul to meet Jonathan comes first, verse 1 through 23. Now notice in the first 11 verses, the plan of David was to secure the help of Jonathan. You've got to understand the tension that's going on. David is fleeing. David knows that Saul is trying to kill him. And Jonathan assures David's safety. Now look at 5 through 11. The plan of David to reveal Saul's intent to kill him was shared with Jonathan then. David suggested he not show up to dinner at the feast with the king. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow's the new moon. I should not fail to sit with the king to eat, but let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. Notice David suggests also that if Saul says something about his absence, then Jonathan was to tell him certain things. Verse 6 there. If your father misses me at, the, at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might go over to Bethlehem, his city, and there is a year sacrifice there for all the family. And David said the response of Saul would be the proof of his true intent towards him. This would reveal it. He says, if he says, it is well, your servant will be safe. Verse 7. But if he's very angry, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord Yahweh God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded my father sometime tomorrow, on the third day, indeed, there is, if, the, if it's good towards David, and I do not send it to you, and tell you, may the Lord Yahweh do so much more to me or the more to Jonathan. In other words, if I don't let you know, then God can get me. Jonathan is going to set his dad up that's going to reveal exactly what's in his heart. From the heart proceeds evil thoughts, fornication, adulteries, murder, so on and so forth. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety and the Lord Yahweh be with you as he has been with my father. God was with Saul at the beginning until he rebelled, he wouldn't obey, and God took the kingdom from him. The plan of Jonathan was to provide David with a sign that would inform him of the intent of Saul towards him. Jonathan would then declare the sign for David to know if it was good or evil. He would launch some arrows, verse 20 says, to the side as shooting a target. And then in 21, 
he would express first the words of the signal for safety. Listen to him. And there I will send the last saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them and come. Then as the Lord Yahweh lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord Yahweh has sent you away. And so in 23, he ended by expressing his faithful devotion and really to each other. He says, as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord Yahweh be between you and me forever. What they're speaking, they're speaking in confidentiality and between God and God is the one that's looking at this whole thing. Very important. Men of integrity. People of integrity. Next comes the return of Jonathan to carry out the plan of David in 24-34. First, the gathering of Saul and Jonathan at the feast is given to us. The first day of the feast, there in 24 and 25, the fugitive David is in the field. He's waiting that first day. Guests are seated there. The new moon had come. The king sat down to eat at the feast. Now the king sat on his seat, as other times, on a seat by the wall. How interesting. You know why? Because Saul couldn't trust nobody. He backs up against the wall. Notice Jonathan rose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. I'm sure in view of respect here, this is his uncle. Because Abner is not only his commanding general, but he's Saul's cousin. But David's place was empty, notice. So the scene is set. Now, in 26, there was no response from Saul at the absence of David in the first day. He was silent. He said nothing. He considered David to be ceremonial clean. He thought something happened, something he fell on and touched a dead body or something happened. There's many different ways you can be ceremonially clean. You had to wash with water for the whole day and then the next day you would be ceremonially clean. So he figured, well, a day or so. Notice in 27, there was a response by Saul about the absence of David on the second day. Listen to him. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul questioned his son Jonathan. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to either yesterday or today? Now, Saul is not dumb. He, he knows something's up. Jonathan told Saul he had allowed David to visit him. He takes the responsibility. So Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And Jonathan feigned the quote words of David. Listen, please, he said, let me go. For our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me go away to see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. I don't think it took any longer than the last word out of his mouth. Then the evil intent of Saul towards David is revealed at the feast. Saul lashed out at Jonathan, first telling him he was being unnatural and treacherous to his own family. Listen carefully. The insult insinuated Jonathan as an illegitimate son and his mother unfaithful. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. 
This is his son. The insult was an accusation of disloyalty to Saul, shaming his mother. Listen, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? So he knows. Notice second, telling him that Jonathan was doing himself harm. Boy, he's covering his both grounds. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. He didn't want to be king. Jonathan knew, I'm sure, that God had taken the king away from his father. Jonathan was willing to serve David. In fact, we mentioned last week when Jonathan went out to the wilderness to encourage David in 1 Samuel 23, 17, because he was, you know, just distressed. He says, he says, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be long king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. And this just drove Saul crazy. My son loves him. My daughter loves him. Sheesh. When you are the center of yourself, it is an ugly world for you and everybody else around you. Notice thirdly, he commanded Jonathan to deliver David to him. 31 at the end. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. No ifs or buts about it. Jonathan could not do such a thing. He knew David was innocent. Jonathan could not be one with the evil of his father. Jonathan defended David to his father. Jonathan asked the reason he wanted to kill David. He asked, inform me of the crime. What has he done? <laughs> Before the last word probably came out of his mouth, Saul manifested his cold, murderous heart. He attempted to kill Jonathan. He cast a spear at him to kill him. He made it very clear to Jonathan his intent for David. It says, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Do you know, when that spear hit the wall, Jonathan's heart was pierced. This is my dad. This is difficult stuff. He was emotionally upset at his father's conduct. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. This is a very troubling thing. He is so upset. It has caused such emotional distress that the last thing he's concerned about is food. There's things that are just more crucial. You understand? And he felt bad for David, not himself. This is miss this. Look at 34. For he was grieved for David because his father had troubled him shamefully. Not him, Jonathan, but Jonathan was grieved... Because Saul had shamed David. Jonathan was thinking of David in this difficult time, ladies and gentlemen. The believer in difficult situations, whatever they may be, must ultimately put his trust in the Lord. Even if they stand alone. I must look to God for strength and wisdom. I must look to God for what to say and what not to say, being spirit-controlled. I must trust God to be my ultimate defender, knowing that he is holy, 
Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Listen. These six things the Lord Yahweh hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to run, running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. Man. The viciousness of people is unlimited when it comes to hurting others. And when Christians are carnal and self-will, they are no different. The desire to get revenge is a slow-burning fire in the heart of an individual, non-believer or believer. If it doesn't go away, if they don't remedy it, Whenever they see the person or hear their name or something like that, it just ignites like a volcano. It's always there, being fan. <laughs> you want to let it out, you may have to do the right thing. The more they continue in their anger, it instills bitterness, resulting in the potential of greater evil. You see, our sin nature says this, listen well, nothing's enough. This is all right for now, but tomorrow's another day. Proverbs 14.10 says, the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Proverbs 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Then there is the worst of all situations, when slanders, Lies and false accusations are brought forth by family members. Sometimes it happens because a person has become a Christian and there is a sense of betrayal to the family and the religion they were raised in. At other times it comes over money matters when a will is drawn up or siblings are lying and pitying one against the other or trying to get the ear of mom or dad or whoever so they can get a bigger piece of the pie. At other times, it's because the family members are well-educated and they're agnostics perhaps or atheists, whichever term they choose. They're outraged that you, being as educated and being as brilliant, that you would fall for this silly little child book called the Bible. God's on the throne. He's not blind, deaf, or dumb. And he needs no information, and he's the ultimate judge after you take your last breath. You understand? The return of Jonathan to carry out the plan of David was crucial, crucial. Now notice thirdly, 35 through 42, the warning of Jonathan for David to flee for his life from Saul. 35 through 40, we have the warning of Jonathan to David and was carried out as planned. In 35, Jonathan went out to the field with the boy, and so it was in the morning Jonathan went out into the field at the appointed time with David and the little boy was with him. So everything is gone according to plan. Here's the last of it. In 36, Jonathan gave the command to the boy. In 36, he shoots the arrow. Now run, find the arrows, which I shot. And the, ran, the, the lad ran, shot the arrows beyond him. 
And he spoke the words of danger to David. Now, I believe David is hiding there, and he's just waiting. And I believe the minute he hears these words, he just begins to sob. When the lad had come to the place where the arrows which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, and maybe even quivering his voice, Is not the arrow beyond you? His heart is broken again. He recalled the boy, and Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. He kept the boy unaware of the plans. He didn't know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. He dismissed the boy, gave him his weapons to the land, carried them into the city. The broken-hearted departure of David and Jonathan, listen, was not their plan. It's just what turned out to be. Life is not an ideal Life has so many difficult disappointments. And the only confidence I have to have is that God's on the throne and that he will be sufficient for my life. You want to know the purpose of the book of Job? It's simply that. Whatever God allows you to go through, he will be sufficient. Look at 41. The meeting of David and Jonathan was a very, very sad one. The posture of David was one of uh, being very humble and thankful to Jonathan. Listen, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from the place towards the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed three times. This was a gesture of submission to a superior. David was looking to Jonathan, his hero, David was acknowledging the greatness of his friend for what he had done for him. Notice they both expressed their love for each other. They kissed one another and they wept together. Again, there is no implication. There's nothing in the text to say this was a homosexual relationship. It's blasphemous to anybody to say that. David knew Jonathan loved him and he was a loyal friend. David would be losing the fellowship of this close friend now. And so in 42, the departure was in view of the covenant. It comes in again. Jonathan blessed David. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord Yahweh. Their friendship was based on the relationship to God and God's truth. Very important. The commitment was till death. And then Jonathan expressed the basis of their commitment, saying, May the Lord Yahweh be between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. God would hold them responsible for mutual commitment to each other. And God would hold them responsible for their mutual commitment to each other's family. God's all over this thing. You understand? And because God's all over it and these people are walking with God, then what is stated, what is committed, what is agreed upon can be trusted. When you believe there's a God and you about to him, then you will live like that. When you explain God away, you believe there's no God, you become God and woe to the world. Jonathan and David parted. They rose 
And Jonathan went into the city brokenhearted, but joyful for his friend. It has been said that wise men talk because they have something to say. Fools because they have to say something. There are times when words are insufficient to communicate one's love and all that's appropriate is to just embrace and demonstrate your sweet tears. You understand? A strong embrace, a pouring out of your dedication and love. Words are insufficient, ladies and gentlemen. The difficult times in life will reveal a person's true friends. When you need a babysitter desperately while never abusing your friendship to abuse a friend constantly. There's a good balance there. When your car is broken down and your friend will drive you around on all the things you need that week. When you have had an argument with your mate and you begin to share with your friend and they are wise enough to say, you know, I really don't need to know the details, but you know what? I'll be praying for you. But while I'm praying, you be obedient to the Lord's word no matter what happens on the other side. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's talking to Christians, not non-believers. The running of time produces quality friends when their friendship is based on their mutual commitment to Jesus. They hold each other accountable. They love each other unconditionally without compromising with one another's sin. They're ready to serve the other. They rejoice at the good that comes to the other. John 13, 35, Jesus said to his disciples, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have loved one for another. The difficulties and tragedies of life will bring many heartbreaking moments, ladies and gentlemen. The loss of a family member through death. The loss of one's home through various circumstances. The loss of health of yourself or someone else is heart-wrenching. These are realities of life. The loss of great friends. Maybe they move away or something else happens. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. In the midst of all this reality of life, disappointment and tragedies, if my eyes are upon the Lord and I'm looking to Him and have good friends, I will be thankful. Because I know God is good, I know God is faithful, and I know God is in control of my life. You understand? The warning of Jonathan for David to flee for his life from Saul was devastating. Man, what a chapter. The last meeting of David with Jonathan was in order to discover the true intent of Saul towards David through these three movements. The flight of David from Saul to meet with Jonathan was urgent. The return of Jonathan to carry out the plan of David was crucial. And the warning of Jonathan for David to flee for his life from Saul was devastating. Real life, ladies and gentlemen, not pie in the sky. Real men, real situations. 
Master Xavier Reese, drawing to a close the grievous events that ultimately ended the friendship of David and Jonathan, though never without the hope of God ever present. Now today's message titled, A Heartbroken Departure, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, A Heartbroken Departure, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com